0: The following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. For advertising information or to find more great podcasts, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com and follow us on Twitter at RealTheUnderdog.
1: You're listening to the Underdog Sports NBA show with host Tyler Laurie and Zandrick Ellison. <laughs> Brought to you by Underdog Sports. Tune in every week as Tyler and Zan recaps the biggest storylines and news in the NBA. Welcome to episode 271 of the Underdog Sports NBA show. I'm Tyler Lurie and I'm joined as always by my co-host out in LA, Zandrick Ellison. Zan, how are you today?
0: Good. You say joined as always, but it's been a little minute. You've been globetrotting. You've been... You went to Germany on. A, was it was a scouting trip. Is that what we're calling it? Yeah,
1: that's that's what I was there for to find to find some players. The twenty twenty four Killian Hayes is, or whatever. is so weak. Well, he's French, but uh, but didn't he play in the German? Like, yeah, I he did. Play. He played in the yeah. BBL. That's I actually. You know, it's funny. Um, I tried to go to. We were in Cologne and then we were in Berlin, my brother and I. And you know, Bonn has a team, Telecom Bonn, which is in the BBL, and then obviously Berlin has Albert Berlin, who are both very good basketball teams at the top of the league but they were both away while we were there because I was going to try to go to a game, but unfortunately it just did not work. So the next time I'm there, you know, who knows when that'll be maybe another 30, have you
0: years. been to a European basketball game? Are the crowds rowdy? I have or not. Yeah, so it's
1: a good, it's a good crowd. Like, you know, one of my good friends played for bond for a, a number of years. And like, I would stream some of those games and they have, they have a good crowd. It's, it's something, you know, in Cologne, like when I would go into shops and stuff, they have bond gear and things like that. So it's, Basketball is kind of a big deal. It's obviously you know soccer is obviously a bigger deal, but th- they have a good um, structure, I think, over there for sure. And the teams are good. The league is good. People get paid, so players want to play there because the economy is good. So, but yeah, well, I'm back. Yeah, and it's was-
0: interesting as a, as a coach too. You know, some former coach for yourself, like. There isn't a, a more crossover than you think about like international coaches, like American coaches going there for a little bit, players going there for a little bit, coming back. There, yeah. It feels like it's it's more interconnected than maybe I, it was.
1: I do actually think, like, not that anyone's ever asking me for my advice on how to start their career coaching anymore, since I'm no longer a coach and haven't been for years. But if you're single and you can find yourself a situation, like going to Europe is actually a really good opportunity that people don't really think about because they don't really want to go to another culture. Right. And you're going there, you're not making a ton of money, but like you have, there are opportunities. And I think like the people that I know that have kind of cut their teeth over in Europe, the basketball is different, but it's also much more structured. So like you learn a ton and you get an opportunity to do things and kind of get you out of your comfort zone. And I do think rather than people trying to be like interns for NBA teams or, you know, a GA at a college, like I, I do think people should look more into European basketball especially as an American because there is going to be a situation where like they need people to communicate with American players and that's I think- a great
0: point yeah and Chris Finch Nick Nurse both did that internationally American yep. guys who went over there David Blatt as well um do you think they have an opening for Adrian Griffin there is, is there a team that needs a you know he, a new coach
1: first? all right so that's obviously the biggest story um there's been a lot of stories since we last recorded together but we'll, we'll start with that one He's the first coach fired, right? I, there's no way. His his odds on Bovada Sportsbook must have been like 50,000 to 1 to get fired, right? Like how?
0: Yeah, well, did he sign a 4-year contract? What what exactly did he sign? Cuz he was, you know, allegedly, this is the rumor part, that they wanted Nick Nurse, Giannis did not want Nick Nurse, so they ended up kind of compromising on Adrian Griffin. I, I wouldn't call that Giannis's like hand-picked coach, but he certainly endorsed it enough to hire Yeah,
1: him. I don't think um I don't I don't I don't think that Giannis had as much to do with that hire though. Like I don't think that like they had Giannis sign off on the hire. Or is that how you understood it?
0: I understood it as like sort of like I don't want Nick Nurse hire somebody else. What about Adrian Griffin? Okay, fine. Like that sort of like that sort of middle ground. Um but either way, whether he was involved in the hiring or the firing, it's pretty stunning to fire a coach who's the two seed coach who comes in oh i mean first year on the job 30 and 13 he might retire with the best winning percentage of
1: all time is that possible i mean i i think he'll get a job uh but i i you know it's funny like he we we talk a lot about coaching on here um and i just want to i want to acknowledge like one thing that like you know, every now and then, we we bring up candidates, right? And we kind of talk about, like, all right, who's the next, like, former player who, like, wasn't very good? Who's next in line, right? And, you know, for a while, it was Darvin Hamm. You know, Adrian Griffin yeah. has been that guy.
0: He's it's been it's rumored true. for a while. He's he's coached, you know, cut his teeth, paid his years, dues. Right? 15 to, yeah, Milwaukee, Chicago, Orlando, Oklahoma Toronto. City. Toronto for five years. Successful and respected, at least publicly, you know. But you you said, I don't know, I don't know how much you want to talk about what you know, but you, you said he was sort of like a difficult personality.
1: I mean, I think that, I mean, they have the second best record in the NBA Xan. like something was going on and there is like truly, it, it, this is not to say that like eBay, Yudoka type stuff could eventually come out, but it doesn't, you know what I mean? None of that has happened. This has just kind of been that like. This was simmering for a while. Um, the Bucks, and then also, yeah, I think that would have come out just because, I mean,
0: legally they could maybe have tried to fire him with cause. Oh yeah, something. he's
1: getting paid his whole contract, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, this is a decision that I, I don't see a scenario that, like, at a certain point, Giannis and Damian Lillard didn't go to Manifin and say, like, hey, this just is not going to work, right? Because exactly. everybody's talking about how the Bucks are, you know, they're they're worse defensively than they've been. Well, like, duh, right? Like, they got rid of Drew Holiday. That That's a huge deal. Like, he, he you know, they replaced Drew Hato with Dame Lillard. There, there are obvious trade offs there on the defensive side of the ball. And it's like, they're definitely worse. They definitely seem more unorganized, but like they're 30 and 13. And truthfully, Zan, from everything that I've heard, you know, Giannis and Dame, along with Steph Curry, are like the three best guys in the league in terms of like building a culture and being hard workers and like leading by example. And so, I don't know what happened, but I can't imagine it was anything that didn't come from like it had to have come from the player's side. It just had to have been like, "Hey, yeah." This is it the
0: seemed side. like they were tuning him out, and in hindsight, it's a tough situation to go as even if he, you know, an experienced former player, his kids a player, he has credibility in that way.
1: A lot of credibility, right? A yeah, lot.
0: But first time coach going in to coach a team that's already won a title. Lillard's super
1: decorated himself,
0: even if he's never won a title. No,
1: but I mean, they have multiple Hall of Famers on the team.
0: Yeah, and it's hard to say like, hey, this is the way you should be doing things because they've won fairly recently. You know, it's not like...
1: They've won 70% of their games this year. Like, and they've played... I think their record is they've been good in close games, which we wouldn't necessarily expect. Like, I think there's an argument that a bunch of teams have actually played like a little bit better than them. But still, like...
0: Almost an identical record win percentage wise to last year,
1: though. Yeah, and it's just. Do you think they
0: it, regret firing Bud, or is it just mostly like, "Hey, we just picked a clunker"?
1: Man, I don't. I really don't know, Sam. Like, I don't think that firing coaches a lot is a good is a sign of a good organization, right? I, you know how I feel about Bud. Like, I think Bud is a very, very good coach. Like, I, I told you at the time, I. I thought that he was going to get fired. I thought it was a mistake just because of how good he actually is. Um, They made some big changes to the team, obviously. But, like, we should have seen, you know, remember Terry Stotts was on his staff and left before the season even started. And that's an older head coach who I think is quite good who was there. You know, he worked with Dame. And it was bad enough for him to leave seemingly under his own volition. So, like. If that's the case, like, this is probably never taken, and maybe it is, like, hey, this just was a bad fit from the start, and our team is old, our team is expensive, and we can't afford to go into the playoffs with this sort of, like, culture or divide in the locker room, whatever And
0: that way I kind of respect that move where it's like, look, we, we can't waste a year. We, You know, like, Giannis is... In his prime, Lillard's, you know, towards the end of his prime, like, we might not get another too many no, you shots to go.
1: This. You got to go for it, right? Like, I mean, here's the thing. So many teams get stuck. Like, we've talked about this in the past. But, like, this whole, like, sunk cost fallacy of, like, oh, well, we did it. Like, we have to live with it. Like, no, you don't. Like you, wouldn't, f- wouldn't
0: this be the greatest hard knock season ever if you watch, like, all of a sudden this guy getting fired? Terry, Like, you mentioned, Terry Stott's leaving. Apparently, Doc Rivers, who we'll talk about in a second— was like an informal advisor, kind of wiggling his way in there. So So it was like a
1: well-poisoned from the start. Yeah, so Doc kind of took over as that like consultant, and now, as of literally like 10 minutes ago of us starting to record, Doc is officially going to be the head coach. Now, I don't know. I, you know, I don't know. This is so unbelievable. It's got to be like totally unprecedented, right? Like... I mean, it I can't in, like,
0: recall. I mean, like you know, Urban Meyer is somebody who came comes to mind as like a f- splashy hire that like they quickly call him mulligan. But on. like Adrian, but Griffin they weren't having success, yeah. and
1: Adrian Griffin wasn't even like a splashy hire. His team is seventeen games over five hundred. They're yeah. a few games back of Boston, who you know I think we both agree that Boston is the best team in the NBA. You know, I think Boston is title favorite, but like. If anyone said to me right now, like, hey, can Milwaukee win the title? Like, I'd have said yes and not even battered an eye. And now they're firing their coach who is, didn't he? He made it one game past the halfway mark of his first season. Like, I, I just don't like. Truly, I, have like
0: the, I have the list thanks to si.com, which apparently is still running, you know, for now. Um, Sports Illustrated, rest in peace, maybe. They say um, Jerry Tarkanian, you know, the old college coach, coached the Spurs for 20 games. Okay um and he had some blood pressure issues maybe some health issues so and he stepped down he stepped down so bob weiss if you remember him an old coach 30 games with the
1: sonics Kurt rambis right but he was like only interim guys like
0: so this is number three tying rudy tom johnovich you know who had been the successful coach of the rockets went to the lakers and they said also health issues yeah
1: he had like back problems and stuff right
0: Yeah, so so that's what they say. So this one—I'm telling you—the
1: Bovada odds of Adrian Griffin getting fired had to have been like the longest in the NBA. Like, like only person that was longer was like probably Eric Spolstrom. Like, yeah, it's just like—and those
0: guys that we're talking about were all under 500. Let me check Rudy T. I'm not sure about Rudy T., but so they certainly weren't 30 and 13. You know, so it's bizarre. It's quick—a quick trigger.
1: So my question to you, this is kind of an interesting way but you're a narrative guy. Like what does this do for Giannis? Cuz there there is very few other ways to look at this than like cuz like if Giannis wanted Adrian Griffin to be the head coach, Adrian Griffin will be the head coach, right? Like and we have had some whispers in the past of Giannis being like I'll go to I'll go to management and I will influence things. Like if you remember when Jason Kidd got fired, he was like, "Hey, do you want me to talk to the owners?" like and and again, I don't, I don't think there's a problem. Like, if we don't think that Adrian Griffin's going to work, fine. Get rid of him. You bring in Doc Rivers. But Doc Rivers has obviously his own flaws as a head coach that we have seen for yeah. years and years and years. Now, maybe this specific team can get through them because of who Giannis is, right? Like, it's possible that he can just play Giannis 45 minutes a game in the playoffs every single night and not have to rotate or anything. But, like... If the Bucs, let's say the Bucs lose to the Sixers in the second round, or the Bucs lose to the Celtics in the Eastern Conference Finals, like does that affect Giannis' his legacy? Because this is a weird situation, especially like I said, when you have Giannis and Dame. On but you the know, I think it's team. more. I think Giannis was probably
0: spearheading all this stuff,
1: but I mean, think I, affects, I just don't see a scenario that it was anybody else, right? Like, I, I'm but, just speculating. I mean,
0: Where right. does Lillard fading? Because the stats thing, you know kind of painted like Lillard, like Stotts, you know Stotts, he coached him for like 10 years, but Dame Lillard didn't save Stotts from getting fired in Portland. Remember, he was there when Stotts eventually got fired and they brought in Johnson no, But
1: I mean, part of the nature of
0: but I'm I mean, thinking for sorry to finish my point like about legacy. Because I think Giannis's legacy is pretty secure. He won a title, if he wins to, one right? or
1: two. It does does it really matter. You know, there's a bunch of stories come you know, he's got a fun story, like everybody, you know, it's a story of overcoming a lot of Yeah, he's like, he's a legend. He's, he's an he's Giannis, icon regardless. Yeah. Dame Lillard, his legacy
0: was the best, you know, arguably the best Portland Trailblazer ever, Mr. Loyalty. And to go to Milwaukee and if this implodes what's stopping him from requesting a trade this summer you know like and where does that lead him Is he he becoming a mercenary
1: he might be like unmovable I I don't know because it seemed like you know I, I wouldn't say that I've watched 30 bucks games but I've probably watched pieces of like 15 to 20 and like yeah they they looked kind of they looked more unorganized than they've ever looked in the past but like the players don't didn't seem to be like you know at each other's throats or anything like that. Like and so it's like I, I think Dane is fine there. And that's yeah. why I'm,
0: I think you could criticize the roster where it's like Lillard's not a good defender. You're playing a lot of Malik Beasley for shooting, but yeah, he's, which is
1: he's the worst defender too. Yeah. Like
0: and he's small and then they don't have a lot of size behind them. You know outside like,
1: of like Giannis and Brooke Lopez. has like, you know, Bob Fortis yeah, is not a rim protector. Right. And he and plays a lot of minutes. You
0: know, right. And Brooke Lopez has 35, Chris Middleton's injured and in 32, Jake Crowder's 33. So it's like an old Thin roster at this point. How much can a coach do? And so you're, to the doc point, like I think Bud got fired for not making proper adjustments in the playoffs. And Doc, that's sort of
1: his. That's like his guard, thing, isn't it? Yeah, that's like his thing. And now here's the thing: like Doc is only coming in. One, I would rehire Terry stoss by the way, just to say that right now. I think he probably has a job, but um Doc is just coming in to like manage personalities, and that's what he does well, you know. And and also the the other thing that he does really well, and I don't know if Adrian Griffin did this, I I do know in Toronto. Nick Nurse practiced a lot like you're on the court a lot he's very you know attention to detail Doc is not like that right not to not to say that Doc isn't detailed and good at what he does you just don't practice all that much in season that's just not who he is and so that might actually be a very good fit for this specific team with you know Lopez Giannis Lillard Middleton all those guys that are older Jay Crowder he's not played a ton but like and so that yeah. actually might be. Connington is over 30, which is crazy to think about. Um,
0: well, and like, I think I think Doc adds, you know, people on Reddit and nerds like us, like, will nitpick his ex's nose and he's a good nitpick his recent history, he, which is fair. Coach. But for a player in the locker room, like, hey, this guy's won a title. He's won a lot of games. He has yeah. that credibility.
1: He's been around know? forever. That's exactly right. He knows how to communicate with a lot of different types of people. Like one of the things I've always heard about Doc is how good he is with decision makers like you know with people who like i would say like team ceos team owners like their friends like the media too he's very good in those situations he's kind of you know the media he kind of does this thing where like he's he's like a grumpy old man sometimes with the media and tells them they don't know what they're talking about but like he is very good across a lot of situations and i do think he makes the most sense of like the available candidates like i said if you had given me a list on Bavada of like who they would hire like I, I yeah. mean, Doc would have been at the top, right? Like he's available. He's dealt with a lot of personalities. He's dealt with veteran teams before. Like he makes the most sense, right? It's not like they were going to do something crazy and be like, Oh, let's go get JJ Redick or, you know, let's, let's, or, like, you know,
0: like what the Minnesota did to their credit, you know, hiring an Chris assistant you know? mid season. I think that would have been hard
1: it, with but this team for sure. It talk
0: about mean. the NBA as a soap opera. Cause in the East you have Doc Rivers coaching now, Milwaukee, Last year, you know, in the playoffs, they're going to play maybe Philadelphia, but, who, where he coached last year. And then they might play against Drew Holiday in Boston, who was on the team in Milwaukee. And last maybe, year. maybe
1: Nick Nurse like goes and gets Adrian Griffin, adds him to a coaching staff in, in Philly. And like, it's just, it's, it is. Do you think Doc is like, Doc lucked out in this sense where it's like, you're not walking into a lot of title
0: contended jobs, especially after getting fired. But do you think he's chomping at the bit to be like, I want to play Philly. I want to play Embiid in the playoffs. I, mean, I want to beat them. I, I want to know. beat Daryl Morey.
1: I don't know, to be honest. I mean, he has said, you know, he's been more, he's been on more like podcasts and stuff than I've yeah. realized he would do. You know, he's done a lot of interviews, right? He was on Bill He's on Bill Simmons regularly, yeah. Yeah, and I think that Doc is a good talker and, you know, Doc's a lifer. Like, in my opinion, you know, I'm, I think he's a Hall of Famer based on what he's done both as a coach and a player like, but I've been surprised to hear some of the things that he said, you know, I was surprised to hear him be as like critical as of as he was, but he has also been critical of like Daryl and like how much Daryl's talk to the media and how hard that was on him. And I do think like there is part of him. I don't think there's like really bad blood because I think doc understands that like you take a job and you're going to get fired. Right. It's very rare that you don't, you yeah. know, we've got, like, think about all the good coaches other than Pop and Eric Spolstra. Like, Bill Belichick
0: got, basically got fired, right?
1: Right, and he's arguably the greatest NFL coach ever. You know, you do this long enough, you're going to get fired. Doc got fired in Orlando, like, went to the Clippers, like, left the Clippers, like, went to Philly. Like, he's won a lot of places. And so I I don't think that people hold grudges like that when they're, you know, Doc Rivers' age and longevity in the NBA, if that makes sense. But man, I bet you, he'd, it would feel good to beat daryl and co right like I, I think he would enjoy that he
0: certainly doesn't need it for his legacy because he is won a title he oh, won a yeah. thousand games but it would certainly prove a lot of the haters and doubters wrong from the last look since that title wouldn't he's, this be he's such like a, been underachieving in the playoff
1: wouldn't this be such a good example though of how like coaching is both important but not important because like and obviously it's important i'm simplifying this but like you come into a team mid-season right They've got a lot of talent. You're not, you know, Doc is not implementing like a lot of different stuff, right? They may change their defensive philosophy a little bit. Like they may change a little bit of what they do on offense. And then obviously off the court, he's going to do some different stuff. But like everybody runs the same stuff. So like how much different is Doc going to be than Adrian Griffin? Like I said, I think they'll do some different things on defense for sure. But it's all about, you know, Doc's thing is all about getting guys to expand their roles, getting them to own what they do. Like, be a star in their role getting them totally to buy in like bringing teams together and i think like that's
0: well you know what i think you know uh, if you were arguing for doc you'd say look he proven winner but like i think when he's good at theoretically galvanizing teams i think his best coaching performance since the title you know, by the way, which happened in 2008. So yeah, it's, it's been, been you a, know, a it's long been an time.
1: Awful long time ago. Like, Doc, Doc, you know, Doc's doing KG and Paul Pierce's podcast. You know, it's been 15 years. Like, come on now.
0: But I think his considered his best I think, coaching performance was the Clippers post L.A. City, yeah, pre when they, Kawhi, when they, when they still they were made the, the p-
1: seventh seed, right? And they lost yeah. to or the AC and they lost I to the, I think Gold they were the eighth. They hung team on. Was good.
0: And so, you know, maybe he can get a ragtag bunch, you know. Get them together, us against the world. But yeah, I think it's going to come in the playoffs. Like, can he adjust in a long series? Does he have the horses to adjust? And then also, I'm just curious about the contract because he's a big name coach. So you're paying Adrian Griffin for you know three four years. You're going to pay Doc.
1: You're going to pay Doc. Yeah. I mean, I would assume like there's no way Doc's taking this job without being like, I need it. A- and what if Doc flops in the playoffs? What if they lose in the second round? Like, yeah, you can't. Are do you any- content with See, that? No. I mean, I think. So this is this is a really good point, right? Because they they made this hire. And they definitely are making this hire like Kyle, like Minnesota did with Chris Finch to be like, all right, you're our coach. Like this is not a lost season. So everyone's thinking about this year, but this is doc for next year and the year after, right? Like we can get doc rivers. And so we got to get it. Do I think he's the best coach for the job? I don't know. I do think he's a very good coach for this specific roster where you don't need to do a ton, but man, like Chris Middleton is, I mean, he's a shell of himself, right? Which is not his fault. Like he's just older. Like Brooke Lopez is old. Like they need to figure out a way to overcome some adversity. And I do think Dame will probably heat up, right? He's, he's been playing well, you know, decent in my opinion, but we always do see Dame go through these months. But Giannis has been like, you know, basically MVP level Giannis, although like, you know, probably sitting fourth in that race now behind and Jokic and SGA. But like, they they are going to need, like, Malik Beasley's not going to shoot 48% from three for the entire year, right? They're going to need to fix some of their holes, and I don't know where those come from because, like, Boston is just really good, Zan. Like, I mean, Boston is really, really good. Yeah. They've kind of overcome this whole, like, Missoula nonsense. And then, you know, Philly's really good. I, I, I find it hard to believe that Embiid is going to be able to keep this up, but he's certainly playing well enough to carry them to a title at, at this stage. Like, the guy just scored 70. You know, and also, against. like,
0: if the, I think yeah, the scary part for Milwaukee is like when they won the title, Giannis was incredible. Remember, coming off injury and just dominating in the finals against Phoenix. Yeah, Phoenix was undersized though. Yep, and Boston's not, Philly's not. So, like, mm-hmm. wh- can they still dominate? It's gonna have to be, I think, like the Clippers. just getting well, super hot. like, the like if
1: they play the Clippers, they're not undersized. If they play Denver, they're not particularly undersized just because right. of how much Jokic played. And so, like, it is, it is an interesting scenario like I, I would say that this i i truly don't know if this makes milwaukee better or worse like can do you know if they're tight I, you know and i think if they're Moana.
0: in a top yeah i wish i had it i have their odds now i was going to talk about but i wonder if they play a game before doc plays because it's funny that joe prunty they didn't have like a yeah, joe veteran. prunty is
1: like interim coach extraordinaire
0: <laughs> but they didn't have like a veteran like like viable candidate on the bench after terry stotts left so joe prunty gets the interim tag but I don't think he'll be able to coach a game. It would have been his third time, second time with Milwaukee being the interim coach, which is funny.
1: Yeah, he was um, he was before. That's right. I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah.
0: And he was two and zero last time with Atlanta. So he could have been on quite a run. Um 23 okay. and 16 overall. Who, Not bad. Who's for an like coach. who's like
1: the Joe Prunty equivalent in other sports? Like is there an NFL it's always person? like the special team? Terry like, Terry Robisky.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. Or, like, a Rich Basanti. Title, oh, really, yeah, he's Rich, only gotten it once. He's but.
1: been one time. Art Shell. No, he's not a good one. I'm just saying, like, it's, it's funny. J.B. Like,
0: Bickerstaff it's, was, like, the, you know. Oh, J.B.
1: Bickerstaff got an interim job multiple times. Yeah. That's the thing. Like, you know, in soccer, you see guys get fired all the time. And they, they sack coaches in the middle of the season. But, like, in the NBA, like, it just doesn't happen all that much like this, especially not this early in the year. Remember, like, Earl Watson got fired, like, a couple games in season? Oh, yeah, season. that was...
0: That was a bad one.
1: I mean, he got fired like four or five games in the season. And, and I just, I, I would love to know, like, from a Milwaukee Bucks perspective, like, how difficult things really were. And I don't know if we'll ever find out, right? Because Giannis plays things pretty close to the vest, and Dame is very much a move and silence guy as well. So I don't know if we'll ever really figure it out. But, like, man, did the Bucks just become even more interesting. Because now they've got. I think their
0: title has did improve, from what I recall. This is not. Don't take this as gospel. Boston's still the favorite, plus three hundred. Denver plus
1: four twenty five. Is Boston is Boston undervalued? Plus three hundred seems yeah,
0: that's very low. And the Clippers plus nine hundred. You, I think I talked about them last week. Milwaukee, I thought was six to one. Now they're plus five hundred.
1: So maybe a little Doc boost. You got to think Doc is you know you got to think Vegas feels Doc is a better coach than Adrian Griffin. And that Yeah, or just like maybe it's long. less
0: about Doc and more about just like the vibe is off in Milwaukee. Defense wasn't playing well, and I think Adrian Griffin was known as a defensive coach, right?
1: I mean, they were bad defensively, like you know, not not elite, if if you will. But but, but I would you? But, a, but a, I'll, I'll ask
0: you this though: like Boston's clearly the favorite in the East. I mean, I and think Boston's probably the in the end. yeah, right. I
1: think Boston's the best team in the NBA. Well,
0: if you had to take another team to win the title, would you go Philly
1: or Milwaukee? If from the East. Good question. Probably Milwaukee, just because I just, you know, we, we criticize Embiid a lot. And I just want to say this, like 70 points to 70 points. Like my man is. Shout out to him. Yeah. My man is scoring at an unbelievable rate. Like, I think there's actually some parallels a little bit between Embiid and Harden that like one, I don't want to admit, but other people probably don't want to admit either because of like how unstoppable he currently is in the regular season and how many free throws he shoots but also like is he going to be able to keep this up in the playoffs and now you know it's a little bit different with him because of how he generates his points but he is you know shooting the most mid-range jumpers in the NBA right now and he's shooting the highest percentage on those mid-range jumpers but i just don't believe that him playing 37 minutes against San Antonio in a game they were up 15 going into the fourth quarter so he could score 70 points i just don't believe that's the best thing for him and i just don't have something always comes up right something came up last year where he missed games and like i just don't have a belief that like Embiid can be this guy for series after series after series and now maybe if they get lucky and they get the route that like denver got last year where there were some upsets and like you know maybe then they got a chance but like that you know
0: you lead me to a really good
1: they've got to they've got to go through probably they've got to go through two of the three of like you know, first of all, the Knicks and Cleveland are pretty good, by the way, Zan. Like, we don't even talk about them, but Miami just traded for Pierre yeah. Rozier. They're going to be better. And then you've got to go through one of Boston or Milwaukee, like, 100% of the time. And, like, I, I just think that's really hard to do. Maybe they That's gotta true. Like, oh. And
0: Milwaukee lost in the, f- you know, first round last year. And and I think all those teams are viable threats. But it, that leads me to thing I was thinking about this week, actually. I'm glad you brought it up. Because, you know, the NFL playoffs happen. And a team that's good in the regular season, like Dallas, loses. And should Mike McCarthy get fired? He's been good in the regular season, hasn't won the playoffs recently. And I'm more inclined to think, look, it's one game in the NFL. I don't think the NFL playoffs is that different from the NFL regular season. But I think in the NBA, you could definitely make a better argument for that because, as you mentioned, maybe you get less free throws, the game slows down. And then you get, we you talk got about seven,
1: you got seven right. games to game plan specifically where for yeah, yeah, a regular season game you're not really doing that, you know. Yeah.
0: So is is it such a difference? As how does that affect Harden in the historically? How does that affect Embiid? How's that going to affect Shea Gildas Alexander getting like you know 15 free throws a game? Um, and how does it affect these coaches who have struggled to make adjustments or struggled to win in long series? Is it legitimate or not? I think it's probably the most. Tell me about baseball and hockey, but it feels the most like this is too, there is a legitimate difference.
1: Yeah, I think baseball is a little bit similar in the sense that, like, you can obviously structure your bullpen a little bit different. You can structure your kind of like decisions, but that game is so much different. It's not as free flowing. I I do think the NBA, I think matchups matter the most in the NBA, right? I do think there's like an argument for matchups. Like, you know, uh, we talked a little bit via text about like, Kansas City and Buffalo, and I had said before that I I actually just thought Buffalo or Kansas City was just a bad matchup for Buffalo for like what Buffalo does well and what Kansas City does well. Like I liked what Kansas City does better, you know, yeah. their linebackers, like they let you have the ball a lot, like whatever. But in the NBA, it's it's a lot like that, right? If if like let me let me give you a good example of something that I think is a big fear for Sixers fans, and if they they don't fear it, they should. Like let's say they draw Indiana in the first round. And Halliburton and Siakam and Buddy Heald are running up and down the court a ton. And, like, you got to play a tough six-game series where you eventually win, but, like, you're out in transition and you can't slow the game down as much as you want. And all of a sudden, other teams are like, man, you can really run Embiid off the court and you can run ragged in the fourth quarter. And then all of a sudden, in the next round, like, Milwaukee's like, you know, we're going to play a little faster. Like, you don't really do that in the regular season, right, because you don't have an opportunity to really make that decision. But in the playoffs, like you've got different games to try different things out and to be able to actually scout differently. And I think that you can't do that as much in other sports because, like, football, it's always the same. Like you said, like you have a week to prepare or two weeks to prepare, you game plan for everybody. But like hockey, you know, your goalie matters the most. But in the NBA, like you can do so many different things that you can't do in the regular season and that you don't want to do in the regular season because, like, you might play the Knicks tonight, but like you're scouting. Brooklyn for two nights uh, from now so you're not going to do something crazy to the Knicks right you're not going to be like all right we're you know you're just gonna be like all right how are we covering Jalen Brunson how are we covering this how are we covering this not you know all right let's try to completely change what we do and funnel everything to the weak side you know it's just very different and so I think a team like the Sixers and like you said like who are so heliocentric you can just do so much more and they have to be able to beat you in different ways. And Embiid and has looked capable of doing that this year, by the way. that I, I mean, I will fully agree. Yeah,
0: I mean, like, people like Zach Lowe have heard him say, like, eventually, you know, Giannis broke through and won a title. Jokic broke through and won a title. If you're there enough, eventually you're going to catch that momentum and win a more title. More likely. I don't know, though. I have less
1: confidence in Embiid doing that. Yeah, I just think because the problem is it's like he, he's unreliable. Like, I hate to say this because it's, like, totally unfair, right? Like, he's... Are, he's the second or first best player in the NBA right now, right? Yeah. MVP favorite, he may not play enough games. I think Shea is a advantage. huge
0: disaster, by the way, for the NBA. Yeah. Egg on oh. their face for a terrible overreactionary rule. It's just, just the
1: dumbest rule of all time. But yeah. like, let's just say the MVP is probably going to be one of him, Shea, or Jokic. Again, mm-hmm. it's fine. Giannis, Luka, Jason Tatum, all whatever. But like Embiid, you just can't... You know, Jokic, like we can say like, that guy's going to be there. He's gonna play, right? He he is going to play as many minutes as you need him, and you might win or you might lose, but you know you're getting him. Yeah, like Embiid, you just you can never say that. Whether or not he's like he's got a stomach bug or he's got a knee sprain or he's got a wrist injury or he's got some orbital bone fracture, which again, those are all things yeah, that it, like
0: it, and it doesn't feel like bad luck. Like you could say the you know cross sport comparison, Josh Allen. Generally, has played pretty well in the
1: playoffs. I think. Yeah, they just and it's just
0: like they they got beat. They by, just you know, lose. Yeah. yeah, just what. But it's like time. this feels more like maybe there's something fundamentally to I mean, that's Man, fly. Zan,
1: I'm telling you, they had a three two lead at home against Boston, winning down the stretch and lost the series in seven. Like that is something that like it's hard to come back from that. It's hard to not recognize like what you look like as a player at that point. And like we. You know, we talked a lot of crap about LeBron but like in my opinion like the biggest moment of LeBron's career was like that game six in Boston where it was like oh my god like this guy is not going to let his team lose and like we just haven't seen that from MB. we haven't seen him be like hey you know what like today is my day and but we've seen that from Jokic we've seen we saw that from Giannis to your point in the finals yeah. where he was just like unstoppable like you know his block is like outlet pass the alley-oop like as good as Embiid has been, and and you know, for me, as good as Harden has been, like, there have not been those moments where it's like, these dudes are inevitable, right? Well, like they're going to, ha- it's going to happen.
0: That brings me to the next thing I want to ask you about, because we, we're we talking about the East same way that media does, where it's like, Boston's best team, Milwaukee and Philly are sort of tier B, tier two. Do we need to change that? Because like these other teams, the also rans that we don't really talk about. Miami adding Terry Rozier. I think we talked about a
1: lot of teams, to be honest. I, no, I no, do, no I'm do, just saying, but, but in
0: this podcast, if you're just listening for the first time, Miami adding Terry Rozier. Knicks adding OG.
1: Indiana, Indiana adding, adding Pascal Siakam. Siakam.
0: Do any, and Cleveland's playing better. Are those teams at least on that B tier? Any of them do you believe in?
1: I, I am just really fascinated with Indiana, right? Because we haven't gotten to see Albert and Siakam they have some other moves that they can make. I think if they really want to, um, don't really know who they'd go for, but they push it in transition so much. I think Siakam has been a punching bag uh, for a lot of years in terms of like, oh, like he he's not that skilled. Like you know, what does he do? He's old, you know, blah blah blah. But like he is one of the best bigs in the NBA in transition. He also plays in a two big lineup with a bunch of guys who can't shoot in Toronto, and now all of a sudden he gets to be in a lineup with a lot of space with a five man who legitimately does stretch the floor. You know, Miles Turner's is not the greatest shooter. I am very very interested to see what happens with Indiana. Like I don't think this puts them in the same tier as those 3, but I think that Indiana is a scary team if everything works out. And to be honest with you, like I have said for years, I think Rick Carlisle is kind of hard to play for if you don't have a high basketball IQ. You know, he he controls a ton, he calls a bunch of sets, like but he's a great coach. I mean, and he gets the most out of his players and I am very curious to see how quickly Siakam you know, integrates because I think, I just think they're going to be a nightmare to play against. It's not to say that I think they're going to win. I think they're probably still, you know, I think they could use a better, uh, their wings could be a little bit better in my opinion. Like, you know, Mathron is quite good, but like, I, I do think like there's a, a, an area to improve there, but I'm, I'm just yeah. really interested. Well,
0: it, it's because, you know, they've kind of Carl out to his credits, like sort of like I'll mold the team to what my person, what my personality
1: is. Yeah. He does that as good as anybody.
0: Yeah, and so like the last 3 years, Miles Turner is like one of the best shot blockers statistically, one of the best paint guys, but as a team, Indiana in the last 3 years has ranked 28th in defense, 26th in defense, 26th again this year. So if you have Miles Turner and Siakam inside, like that has to be better, right? I mean It's got to be. It has to be. Especially in the playoffs and a half court. I, of I mean, all those 3 teams though, Like, I think the Knicks are, like, the
1: freskiest. The Knicks are good. The Knicks, I I do think, (laughs) real quick, let's talk about this. Before we go to the Knicks, let's talk about this Terry deal for a second. Because I do think Miami is really interesting. I think they finally realized, like, all right, we can't win with Kyle. Like, he's too old. Like, it is what it is. So, Lowry in a 2027 first-round pick to Miami for Terry. Very quick and easy swap. Miami is now going to be an absolute joke to play against. Like, you got to, like...
0: What does that and mean? A joke really, in a bad way or a good
1: way? No, no. I mean like you're gonna go in and just get like your head beat in for hours, uh-huh. like right? Like, whereas like Milwaukee, or sorry, not Milwaukee, like Indiana wants to push the pace, they want to score a bunch. Miami's like, dude, let's take the gloves off, let's play game with like the 80s. <laughs> like I think but you know Miami,
0: why I'm not scared of Miami, which is silly because they made the finals. But like they they're great at like finding pretty good players to fill out the rotation. Like you they know, are eat. You know, Jaime Haquez. He's good, man. Yeah, he's really he's, good. He's viable. Caleb Martin will be back in a viable eventually, And so you add another guy, you know, because Lowry was not. Lowry had fallen no, he's past toast. the point of no return.
1: But yeah, it's not, I mean, it's not his fault. Like, you get old. It's going so to gonna walk have up like steps for you these days.
0: And they brought back Duncan Robinson. They have reinvigorated him. They trusted him again. So they have like six or seven like guys who are legitimately good players. I just worry about their upside. Cause it's like in the playoffs, it sort of felt like they either needed to get red hot shooting or Jimmy Butler needs to score like forty a game for them. But that to happened. E-team.
1: It's it's really weird. Like that happens, and yeah, like, maybe play- they're
0: like what we're saying. Like they're different in the playoffs. Like the but, two
1: things we've seen, you know, over the last couple of years, playoff Jimmy Butler and like playoff Jamal Murray. Like those are real things. It's happened over and over again. Where those Jimmy guys Butler just,
0: per game, his averages last year went from twenty three to twenty seven. Double as many threes made in the playoffs per game. I don't know. Part of me just thinks that I just can't believe that's that viable again. Like, I mean, that's like the strategy. I I
1: I think it's hard to acknowledge for sure. But also, like, when you do have a really good coach and you have very good players and one of them can be a superstar, which I think we both agree Jimmy Butler has been a playoff superstar the last few years. Right, but it you know that bothers the me calculus about of your team. But I agree with you; it's hard to predict that, right? Like I don't well, plan yeah. on betting on. I'm not going to go on Bovada and bet on Miami to win anything in the playoffs. But we bet
0: like, against them in the playoffs a lot last year, and they did. But I see that on ESPN, like you know, whether it's woes or Bobby Marks, they're like they're they called them like "Wake Me Up When the Playoffs Start" team. Like that can't be the explanation
1: for last year.
0: They barely made the playoffs. No, no. Last yeah. year they
1: also got really hot shooting the basketball. Yeah, like that bad. But you can't
0: tell me that they like coasted until the. Tyler Hero tournament.
1: got injured. Presumably, their third best player get got hurt, broke his hand, missed the whole playoffs, and the team got better. And that's not that's not like a recipe, you know? Yeah, that,
0: So I think they're pretty good, but the thing that I mean, the Knicks I think are more interesting to me because it's just like maybe Jalen Brunson is. Dude, he's, just, Like, really good.
1: He's really good, honestly. And, like,
0: the idea, he's averaging 26 a game, shooting 40% from three. The idea that they had, you know, the Mavs had Jalen Brunson and Christoph Porzingis, who have both played well since leaving. Like, that could have been not a big three, but certainly a title-winning combination, I think, if they could have seen that piece.
1: Well, I do think, so, with the Knicks, obviously, trade for OG, um, you know, gave up quickly, gave up RJ Barrett. I do think quickly was a big loss. Um, RJ Barrett, you know, not so much. I think OG gives them more defensive presence, uh, a little bit more in terms of like how Bibbs wants to play, where you're thicker. You know, you have a big wing who can take everybody, which is not to say that RJ Barrett was a horrendous defender, but he's certainly not. But it does give you, you know, this guy that can just play a ton of minutes and replaces a lot of what RJ Barrett could do offensively while allowing for some other, you know, some more spacing, allowing for you don't need to give the ball to R.J. Barrett like on the move anymore, right? Like that was something that I think that was hurting their offense. So mm-hmm. you allow Brunson and Julius Randle to really do a lot more. Um, but yeah, the Knicks are good. I, I don't, I, you know, I, I don't know, like, at what point do we just agree here that Jalen Brunson is like a superstar? I guess yeah, he is, I mean, right? Like, I, I, I mean, it's
0: crazy. It's just like he just that's what i use him as an example of like like what is going on with the nba where it's like this guy who they were debating
1: whether we're he good. could be a starter
0: or whether he could be an nba player and I, now I it's think, just like
1: i will say like i do think and I, I think i've said this on the show before but he's the one guy that i've been the most wrong about in like my whole like and like my whole life of being like this guy's just not good enough like i just didn't think he was athletic enough and i just don't think i understood like His collection of, like, balance and IQ and strength, like, functional strength is just, like, it allows him to be so I might
0: might be stealing this from somewhere because it sounds familiar. But, like, we were buying a a fish for our house.
1: Nice. What'd you get?
0: I don't know. It died died in the day. But the idea was there was, like, this urban legend that a goldfish grows to the size of the bowl. I don't think that's accurate, but it sounds bizarre, but Dude, that's definitely not true. Not like the it could, not that it grows as big as the bull, but like the bigger the tank, the bigger it grows. And so like who's the goldfish player? Where it's like keep expanding their role and they'll keep expanding their game. And I think Fred Van Vliet was somebody like that, but then we saw the limit of that where it's like, Oh, he could be a good backup, he could be a starter, but then eventually it got it's also too big like five, for six. Him. Where it's like, if he's your lead option, then he's going to start being inefficient. We just haven't seen that with Jalen Brunson yet. Like, we haven't seen him, the room be too big for him. He just keeps you know, filling the space. Yeah,
1: it, it's a good, it's a really good analogy. And then uh, the way the team is now constructed around him, you know, that trade for OG, I think was a really interesting inflection point where it's like, you know what? RJ Barrett's a pretty good NBA player. Like, he's fine. You know what I mean? Like, good. Reasonable starter on an okay team. Emmanuel quickly really good in my opinion, but probably ready for a bigger role. And I think they were like, you know what, we're not gonna, we're not gonna give Emmanuel quickly a bigger role, and hurt Jalen Brunson. What we're gonna do is just get a guy who's a better fit for our current roster, and allow Jalen Brunson to shine through even more. Right? Like, and I think that that's a decision that you see a team make when they're like, all right, this is our guy, and it's. You know, I've seen a lot of people, I, I don't remember if I talked about this on the show or not, but like Gilbert Arenas had the take where like he doesn't like the Knicks because he doesn't think Jalen Brunson is like a true superstar. And then he said something like you'd need Anthony Edwards over Jalen Green, which was like kind of interesting. But like, what else does <laughs> Jalen Brunson need to do? Like this doesn't appear, you know, we had this conversation two years ago, Zan, where every time he was a starter, his numbers were really good
0: right yeah you just have to keep believing in it it hasn't cooled down in any way like he's just continued to grow and i think yeah trust him og's more of like a three and d guy than rj like rj doesn't you don't need those rj possessions
1: anymore no i mean that's a big thing for me is your offense just gets more efficient because like you don't need to find ways to get rj driving to his right hand like
0: (laughs) and you mentioned the size i thought that was a good point like mitchell robinson big dude Julius Randle, 250 og's a huge wing He's 230, maybe more. It's like they're going to have the
1: size to match yeah, up with these sucks. good teams. Mitchell Robinson being out for the year kind of stinks because, like, it would be very interesting to see, yeah. you know, what he can do. But also, like, Isaiah Hartenstein has been very good for them, in my opinion. Like, just a very good, serviceable NBA center. Yeah. Um. You know, DiVincenzo has had a bunch of big games lately. Like, I do think there's probably another move for them to make. I very much wonder... If they want Bruce Brown, I don't know that would, be, if that would
0: fit them. And I, I think they they were wise to avoid Donovan Mitchell or not overpay for Donovan Mitchell, knowing that Brunson can do a lot of this. Because I don't think they would play that as well together. Um, I think OG just like fits, and yeah, I think a, they're a, they're a threat. I think they're a threat to. To be that kind of Miami team to make the finals, like so,
1: if they play the Cavs right in that four or five matchup, do you you like either of those teams to put like you really do like the Knicks to push Boston?
0: I think there could be if Miami can make the finals. I think the Knicks can make the finals. I think Cleveland can make the finals. I think I don't know about it's interesting the title. from a
1: Boston perspective because if you play the Knicks and you play Miami, they do force you to play their style of basketball, right? And that's a lot more Jalen Brown in the half court, like having to decide if his left hand works today or not. You know, that's really. I, I just sad. think,
0: honestly, I just think I believe in these middle class, if you want to call them that, upper middle class, East teams more than I do the West. Like Sacramento, for example. Like I don't see Sacramento. No, I think the Clippers the are finals. good. I think Denver's
1: good. I think OKC is good. I think Minnesota's good. Other than yeah, that... yeah, but I think
0: Phoenix is too thin. New Phoenix Orleans is, good, is too yeah. janky. The Lakers are under five hundred right the Lakers now. Same with Golden State.
1: Stink. The Lakers stink. I mean, LeBron didn't play play on Tuesday night, but they lost to the Clippers, and I watched a little bit of that game, actually, this morning before we recorded, and it did not look like the Lakers were a playoff team. That's not to say that they're not. They can certainly get hot. But isn't
0: it, like, very similar to last year where it's, like, they're going to need a midseason move just to kind of get
1: out of this role? They just can't do that anymore. Honestly, I was so happy to see Russell Westbrook play well against the Lakers. I don't know why. Like, I'd like... Like, it's funny. This Clippers team is, like... And I, I do want to talk – I want to talk a little bit about this Embiid, 70, Carltown, 62. Yeah, wait, let me give you one thing on the Lakers. Oh, hold on. Want, I, okay, go, go, ahead, what you go blame, ahead. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead.
0: I was going to say, what do you blame the Lakers underachieving on? Two ideas. One is, like, the perpetual, they don't have enough shooting. Their last in three-point attempts. Not great in the modern NBA, even though they won a title that way, but
1: – The bubble, was, that doesn't count.
0: I was starting to think, like, did they so- sign, like, the wrong personalities?
1: No, that's – I think like
0: I'm just saying, like Christian Wood, Rui, D'Angelo Russell, bring like, are these guys just kind of like, I don't want to say soft, but like, are they just not?
1: I'm going to give you a good example about why the the stage, the lights
0: lights too bright for them.
1: I don't know. They have played, they have started Cam Reddish 26 times. You can't do that. Yeah. You just, what's the alternative? I, I mean, they just, I don't know, go small, start somebody else. Like I just, the problem for them, I think, has been that D'Angelo Russell has been so bad. Like he was bad in the playoffs last year at the end of the playoffs, where it was like, oh, we can't play this guy. But then, like, he was fine before that, and he was probably the best thing they could sign. And they really did. They they really needed him to be good. Like, you know, I think Austin Reeves has been substantially worse this year than he was, which is you know natural in terms of like, you know, now you're not this. You're not the fifth option anymore. You're the third option. Like, I also think that, you know, Anthony Davis has had a really good year, but like LeBron is clearly aged. He's really good. He's still one of the best players in the NBA, like top 25, top 30 guy. But like, you know, now it's 25, seven and seven, but the volume is tougher. Like the, where the shots come from is tougher. Like his ability to get up and down the court when they push it, like, like, he can do it, but you know, then his ability to get back on defense is not as good. And it's like if you're going to build your team, like Anthony Davis needs to truly be that like one A superstar. And when we see that guy, they're really hard to beat. We don't see that and guy every night.
0: Well, he to his credit, 25, 12.
1: He's really good. I two mean, blocks really a
0: game. He's playing as well as any other. Like,
1: but like look okay. at their depth though, right? Like Torian Prince plays 31 minutes a game. Like he's fine, you know, but you want him to be your fifth option. You know, Reeves is playing 30 minutes a game. Again, he's got he's on the ball some, he's off the ball some. D'Angelo Russell, like, how do those three, Russell, Reeves, and LeBron play together? That's a pretty bad defensive trio. You know, then you've got Gabe Benson hasn't really played hardly at all because he's been hurt, but, like, then Cam Reddish, then Rui, Jared Vanderbilt, Christian Wood. Like, these are all guys that have, like, significant issues in what well, the do. Well, the D'Angelo thing is interesting
0: because if you look back at his career, you know, top three pick, look at the places he's been. So he starts off... With you know the Lakers what? in a rebuild that never really got going yet. Yep. Then he goes to Brooklyn has like one good year. He made the all-star team. They made, you know, they were 500. Good. But they weren't, they weren't eager to keep him. And then he was on Golden State the one year that they were, you know, really bad.
1: Yep. Then they trade him, win a title. Go, he goes to
0: Minnesota, which has been much better without him. Like, there's nothing in, the, in his resume that suggests he's like a winning player. Is right. he like the Kyle Kuzma of point guard?
1: I mean, I think that's possible. I, like, again, you know, I don't know that the Lakers have any sort of like quick fix other than like their players need to start playing better. Like Max Christie turns out to be like really good or Cam Reddish like flips the switch. But yeah, I mean, there
0: are places they're talking about in L.A. They're certainly talking about Jonte Murray. They're talking about Zach Levine It's kind of quieted down. But like, how is that going to happen? I even saw a Trey Young rumor recently. Oh, that
1: would be great. I would that love would be to see that. Yeah. That would be fantastic. Could you could you imagine Like. Not for nothing, but like Trey Young in L.A., like his dad's like talking crap about LeBron. LeBron's like subtly tweeting things out about how like personalities aren't matching. Like I would I really I hope that. I want to see that happen.
0: Truth. I think the move they should have made was Kyrie. I, I know like Dallas hasn't been amazing, but I think the
1: move they need to make is Miles Bridges. But I don't know if they can do it.
0: Yeah, that's a good interesting point. Like I
1: think make. Miles Bridges. I saw some. Well, like, how much?
0: What is Miles Bridges' contract? He's averaging like twenty a game, by the yeah, way. Yeah,
1: it's low though because of the he was a restricted free agent. Yeah. because of the year off. But the problem is like I don't know what his value is because like the Lakers could maybe do it just for like a first round pick. But I don't know where they are against the cap. But like they could overpay for him. I know that. Ford well, he's like he's like one kind of, of the biggest bargains in the league, based on like this distressed. But asset. you're pro- but you're not going to, you're not going to be able to resign him, right? If you're the Lakers, I would imagine. But can <laughs> you get like can you pr wise give him a huge deal? No, I'm saying they can't afford him. Like the new tax rules, I think they could afford him this year. Right. The new tax. No, rules I think
0: he's he. Let me look at this hour. Okay, so yeah, he's a free agent. He's making eight million this year.
1: Right, that's what I'm saying, and he's clearly a big bargain, but like also. He's going to want big money. So, like, if you trade a first-round pick for him, like, there's a good chance he's not going to be there. So, if you're the Lakers, you kind of have to go all in because, like, your team's old to begin with. Or you're like, if he makes sense, I think, in Phoenix, I saw on Twitter, or not Twitter, X, excuse me, I saw that, like, Phoenix was interested in him. And that makes sense because, like, those teams, you go for this year, right? Yeah. But, like, some other teams, like, you know, I think he actually makes quite a bit of sense in Minnesota, but I wouldn't trade an asset for him because he's not going to resign there, right? Or you're not going to be able to afford to resign him. So, like, that's where I think, you know, when Charlotte eventually decides they're going to tear it down, which I'm, you know, the Terry trade, I think, is the first one to yeah. go. But, like, Bridges actually makes sense because, like, you have this more big, rugged wing who can score a little bit, who rebounds, he can defend, like...
0: I, I think Charlotte's going to be very interesting for that reason, for the Gordon Hayward reason. Gordon Hayward gets bought out or traded for nothing. He's still a good player. I wonder player. if Gordon
1: Hayward has anything. I hate. To ask I think them. he's a fine player. If you
0: put him on the Lakers, he adds he a little shooting, he will get a little size. Out. Well, if they can't, you know, his contract's big, so it's hard Jeez. to like find a match
1: for him. But like wouldn't you take a second round pick for Gordon Hayward? What is the Yeah, Hayward? but it's like
0: it's a matching like the matching salary
1: is the issue. Yeah, Like can if, you find course.
0: like the 35 million or whatever it is? But if I mean, you put Gordon Hayward on this Laker team in like the Torian Prince in the Cam Reddish role, like yeah, that's a, as a starter.
1: Pick. What is he? He's averaging basically 15 5 and 5. On 473677, yeah, that's pretty good. He's a so 31 a, a f- million serviceable wing, he's 33 years old, but he's making an absolute s ton of money. I don't know, all it's right, hard because
0: you, you can't find like expiring 31 million in your pocket usually.
1: All right, last last topic for me. Um, okay, Embiid goes from seven goes for 70, uh, Monday night, yeah, correct. Same night, Carltown goes for 62, uh, both franchise records. The Sixers win, uh, beat a woeful Spurs team. Also, by the way, um, I would probably bet Wemby for Rookie of the Year now on Bovada. Just just so it was clear. He's
0: surging out there. He's playing a
1: lot better. I did think it was funny that Embiid had 70, and the next day David Aldridge had an article come out that was like, Wemby's defense is ascending. And again, it's not... Somebody who scores 70, it's not all one person's fault. But I wanted to talk about it from the perspective of like... I thought Chris Finch's press conference about the Timberwolves who lost to Charlotte after being up 18 in a game where Towns had, you know, 40 something a half. I thought it was a pretty seminal moment for his coaching career because I thought he did an excellent job, in my opinion, of burying his entire team and not singling out a specific guy because I think like you could single out Kat there and you might lose him. But I think he did a really good job of being like, you know, we played selfish. We didn't make the right plays. And I think it was a very interesting comment for what today's NBA looks like. Because as you said, like, you know, the numbers are crazy. Like, guys are just scoring points all over the place. It's not the same as it used to be. Like, you know, we saw some games in the 70s and the mid-90s. But there is a tendency now when somebody starts to really score that like games just transition into like give Carl Towns the ball and get out of the way. And yeah. you know, that was what was happening. Like for, like true, true story. Sixers up 15 in the fourth quarter, Daniel House goes quick and shoots without looking at Embiid and his home fans booed him. But like Daniel House should try to score in the fourth quarter, right? Like why are we point hunting here? And so it's like, I thought it was really interesting to hear Chris Finch be like, look, we got to focus on like winning games because you know, the league has taken this step to be like, it's a player's league. Like these are the guys that are the face of the league. Obviously scoring 70 is a big story. Scoring 60 plus is a big story. But like, I thought what Chris Finch said was one of the first times I've actually like really respected a coach Just destroying his team. I normally I don't think it's great to do that, but I thought it was really interesting. I think it's a big moment for the Timberwolves as a team to be like, "Hey, yeah." I think it would come up a little bit, and then also,
0: it's sort of my gripe with the NBA in general. Now it's like that all-star scoring mentality where it's, look, I know like you want to score fast, the math has proven this, but it's almost like they're allowed. It's uh, I think I don't like watching basketball where somebody drives and scores a layup. And he's kind of off balance when he lands. And then the ball's already inbounded by the time he can even, like, set his feet. You know, it's just like, they, they're the so sevens.
1: fast. People love Paul Westfall. But don't or, you think Paul, the
0: defense should get, like, a like a second to set?
1: Like I don't know. When I, I when I was working in college, um, Brian Gregory, I don't know if you remember him. as He was a college coach. He was at Dayton when I was at Temple. But then he was at uh, South Florida. But they were so good at doing that. We used to practice five on eight because— oh, wow they would take the ball out of the rim so quickly. So you'd have five defensive players and then you'd have eight offensive players because like, it just was, they were so good. and It was all about like, all right, finish this possession and just run back. And I think in the NBA now, like pretty basically everybody does that. And that's why, well, yeah, like, again, it, it
0: feels like unfair to me. It feels like, you know, in the NFL where they make, you know, the give the defense time to get set and get their substitutions in. Cause it's like, they are running so fast. Have you that, seen
1: NFL teams start to take advantage of that, by the way, to get delay of games? Like wait to sub, until yeah. The very oh, last. No, I haven't and then seen that. Force Harbaugh did it, like Baltimore did it, where it was like. But for the
0: NBA, it's like it's like that's no wonder people are scared of offensive rebounding because it's like you're just oh, you getting up and going. You know? can't
1: offensive rebound at all. Like, yeah. you, you you just can't do it. And and again, I don't. You know, I, I do want to say seventy points is seventy points. Like Embiid is a, yeah. a an absolutely electric scorer. Like, just it's outrageous how hot he is right now. Like, he, I mean, he's shooting like Dirk basically. It, and that's
0: why you can't complain where it's like, oh, it's the rules, it's this, it's that. It's like, he's a big man shooting, what, 90% from the line? Or it's something. insane.
1: Like, he's just so skilled. And, and I, I do think, like I said, I think he's playing at a level all around to carry the Sixers to the finals. I do think it'll be very hard for him to keep this up because, I mean, he has absolutely feasted on horrific teams. Like, I, I swear to God, when he plays like, you know, yeah. Detroit or Washington or, you know, San Antonio or Houston or whatever. Like, it's just like Embiid's just going to go nuts. But he, you know, he hasn't had to guard as much. Uh And I don't think, you know, for him, the key is you have to exhaust him. And you have to make sure it's really hard for him to catch and turn and shoot in the playoffs. And I think that's where, you know, with Joker... He can just do so much more. And I think Embiid has really passed the ball at a high level this year. I think Nurse has done a lot of things offensively to kind of unlock a little bit more of his skill set. But I'm worried for the Sixers of like, you think you're going into the playoffs and this guy's going to give you 35 to 40 a night. And he might, but he's, yeah, got, to a point, he's got a guard.
0: To your point, it's only been a few games, a couple against each. But against Milwaukee, he's averaging 36 or something total. 35,
1: 35 points a game, I think, right?
0: Milwaukee no, thirty six
1: points game. yeah sorry go ahead
0: against Milwaukee 24 against Boston he's averaging 23 and a half so it's like uh is this a playoff is this the formula and do you need you know I think they have enough to be honest <laughs> I mean they no, do no I, I think
1: they're good enough I absolutely yeah. think they're good enough and I yeah. think that you know nurse has done a lot of different stuff but yeah I, I I'm I'm very and they might have another move like do they wait because
0: they have a lot of like expiring dead weight
1: they can go get one more guy for sure. I'm, I I'm think not they sure.
0: should. I think that. I think it's prime. I mean, unless you think Boston's just so good
1: that this is like. I don't know, know if defeat. it's like Zach Levine. I don't know if it's like Demar Derozan. Like I. I no, but you like can't. look at all oh, this hold expiring. On. You, you can't. You can't wait, Sam. Like you, you can't. No, I know. I'm just saying. But
0: and in the, I in the think you can sign somebody in free agency because of their expiring contracts. You know they'll re-sign Maxi, of course, but and they'll maybe re-sign Tobias Harris to a better deal. But they have 17. Expiring for Marcus Morris, eleven for Batum, eleven for Covington, Those for Concord Maz five minute. You know, House four, Ubre three, Mobamba two. Like you could cobble together sixty million dollars here almost. Yeah,
1: you absolutely could, and I think they will be in the market to sign another person. I do. You know, we have talked about this. Like mid-season acquisitions are rarely amazing right away. You know, for every Rasheed Wallace, you get some some other guys in there that just haven't performed. So I worry about that, but I do think the Sixers. You know, I think they're, I can't remember what you said their title ads were on Bobata, Like, you know, yeah, let's
0: double check that. Let's go back. Let's end with that. Like looking at the East, because we've talked a lot about the East, just the Eastern Conference, Boston plus 130, Milwaukee plus 210, Philly plus 500, just to win the East.
1: That seems a little low. I don't know, honestly. And then
0: I hyped up the Knicks, eighteen to one. You said Indiana is twenty-five to one.
1: Yeah, I, I do. Again, I I think Boston should be a very clear favorite, 13. Do, do you
0: want some long shots? If you're in a, in a hole, you're in a desperate situation. Indiana. I'm just saying, you know, you really need a big win. Detroit, thousand to one. <laughs> <laughs> Monty Williams, thousand to one to win coach of the year. What a story that would be. What's
1: what are Monty Williams is odds of just him deciding he doesn't want to coach basketball anymore. Like Monty Williams just decided one day to retire because it's not, I'm
0: sure he was looking at Milwaukee. He like accidentally, you know, butt dialed Milwaukee <laughs> being like, Oh, sorry guys. I didn't mean to call you anything going on over there. Or
1: what?" <laughs> <laughs> that would be actually amazing. Yeah. Like no Monty, Everything's good. See you, man. Good luck. <laughs> good luck next week.
0: Um, uh, or Darwin Ham too. I'm sure Darwin was like, mm, you know, like you could trade oh, for me. That Second be, round pick. Yeah.
1: Whatever. That one would be really bad. I don't know. Anyway, all right. That's it for us. No, no more breaks. We'll be back on a weekly yeah, basis. We're, back. We're, we're, back. we're rejuvenated. Um, basically. This is a
0: good podcast. I call it your re-comeback game. It's like Michael Jordan when he came back to the garden and scored what, fifteen?
1: Yeah, I'm wearing forty-five too. Yeah. Um uh, all right. Uh he is in underscore Ellison on Twitter and Reddit. Uh you can email the show as at gmail.com. We'll be back next week and uh, as always, Ann, it's a pleasure. Take care.
0: Thanks for listening to the underdog sports NBA show with your hosts Tyler Laurie and Zedrick Ellison next week for more NBA storylines and news.